0: Recently, uh, Mariah, my wife, was in charge of starting the barbecue for supper while I was still here at work, and this was one of her first times doing this, and so I FaceTimed her in to give her some of the instructions on what to do, you know, turn on the propane, turn the knobs on, get the lighter in too, and kind of explain that all to her, and I was FaceTiming her while she was doing that. I do have permission to share this story, by the way. As she turned on the propane tank, she could start to smell the gas a little bit and turned on the knobs too, and she had to put the barbecue lighter, click, click, it just blew up. It lit up, and thankfully her eyebrows are still intact. Have you ever noticed how quickly a conversation makes a turn for the worst? It blows up. It lights up from a foolish reaction, instead of choosing our words wisely. The book of James talks about how our words can be like fire. It can destroy, it can cause harm to other people. James 3:6 says, our words are like fire, a world of evil. It corrupts the whole body and sets your whole life on fire. If we're not careful, our words can really harm and destroy other people. But the opposite is also true, that Proverbs talks about wise words are like water. Cool, soft, refreshing, nourishing to the body. It extinguishes the fire. Though some fires may be a little bit more out of control, we know that as you repeatedly pour water on it, gentle calm words the fire will begin to extinguish now this probably goes without saying but have you ever said something you regretted maybe you've said something you regretted maybe you've thought about it maybe you posted it on somewhere maybe you were caught up in the moment maybe you had good motives you were defending yourself or a loved one And instead of wisely responding, we foolishly chose to react. You see, there's a difference between reacting and responding. To react is to reply with anger, opposition, to just say it without thinking about the consequences of what the words may do and how they may impact other people. Whereas responding, a reply is a thoughtful consideration. How are my words going to not only impact them, but how are they going to receive them too? The tone, the volume, the choice of my words. You see, when we're responding, we're trying to calm hearts, calm the situation, trying to resolve the situation. It's like pouring water on the fire. fire. But to react is to pour gasoline on the fire, and it just blows up. You see, maybe you're here today and maybe you're a little bit younger and maybe there's a bully or maybe there's somebody who said something really mean or hurtful through a text or on social media and how do we respond? What's the right response? Maybe for those that are older, maybe we have a coworker or a friend or a family member who's just being rude, obnoxious, inconsiderate. How do we respond? What's the right way? What's the wise way? To respond, You see, the ability to prevent or to reduce needless quarreling and commotion and stirring up anger and live in harmony with other people is a skill, is a virtue of wisdom. And you see, many conflicts arise not because the issues are so great, but because of the temperaments people bring. Many conflicts arise not because the issues are so great, but because of the temperaments. Are they calm? Are they cool or collected? Or are they hot-tempered and
1: irritated and
0: agitated? It really goes back to the temperament of the individual and how the conversation and discussion is going to go. Typically how we reply, our tone, our volume, our choice of words will either escalate or de-escalate the situation and the conversation. And it goes without saying, Mama used to say this, If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Today is week seven, and we're talking about how wisdom communicates graciously. Wisdom communicates graciously. We're seeking to understand the impact of our words and how how we can wisely grow in our reply, especially when we're treated poorly. And we don't deserve it. And so we're going to be looking in the book of Proverbs. This has been our summer series, looking in chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. And pay attention to what Solomon is communicating about how the wise reply gently, but the foolish respond harshly. This is what Solomon says. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool just gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We believe all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for correcting, teaching, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God is thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so, Jesus, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. Be our teacher, be our guide, be our counselor. Convict in areas that we need conviction, Lord. Humble us where we need to be humbled. And may we become more like Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. You see, sometimes we forget the power of our words. And if we do not use wisdom, we can say something that we foolishly regret, less than kind, that can fuel anger and just destroy relationships. Which brings me to my first point. The first point is this. The foolish react harshly. The foolish react harshly. You see, if we're being honest, most of us have a hard time controlling our tongue. Most of us have a hard time controlling our tongue. If we're given the opportunity, you know, our natural inclination is to give our opinion, to speak up, to put somebody in their place, pay back, to get even. And we don't have to look too far than social media. And I think all of us can agree that angry words almost always return in anger. Increasing the volume of our voice does not increase the understanding. It just increases The volume, degrading, and insults doesn't help anything. It may feel good in the moment, but a word spoken harshly will reap destruction. Short-term pleasure, putting someone in their place, often leaves lifetime regret. I wish I could go back. I would have said things much differently. So remember we're talking about our reply And Proverbs and Solomon teaches that it is foolish to react with harsh words. He says this in the latter part of verse 1. A harsh word stirs up anger. You see, the foolish react harshly. It comes from the Hebrew word etzeb, which means a word that hurts and damages. That's what a harsh word is. Anything in our speech that is sharp, rude, unkind, or mean is a foolish, harsh word. It's a word of pain. And it stirs up. What does the harsh word do? Well, it stirs up anger. Not only from the one that is saying it, but for the person that is receiving it, too. It literally means, this anger literally means fidgety. It's the... (laughs) the nostril flare. It's steam coming from your ears. It's our body language begins to shift and to express our displeasure to the conversation. And it's interesting, though, that the harsh reaction comes from a position of pain and sorrow. The harsh reaction comes from a position of pain and sorrow. The context is, Somebody has said something mean to us from a position of wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Somebody has said something mean to us. We're hurt by their words. It's natural to be hurt by people's words. And in response, we defend ourselves by inflicting pain back at them. We defend ourselves from when somebody has said something mean to us too often the foolish reaction respond with a mean harsh word right back at them. And I came across this quote and it said something like this. The best time for you to hold your tongue is the time that you feel you must say something. The best time to hold your tongue is when you feel that you must say something. Now don't get me wrong If you've ever been on the receiving end of hurtful, mean, unnecessary words, I'm sorry. That's not right. Sometimes the words that people say are mean. They're cruel. They're unnecessary. And they deserve correction. But it doesn't excuse a foolish reaction. It doesn't excuse a foolish reaction. You see, if we're not careful, too often we respond out of anger. Too often we react out of anger. James 1.20 says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So what is this anger about? Well, it refers to deep resentment, bitterness. Anger typically comes from being hurt by other people, their careless actions, their mean, their unnecessary, unkind words, those who betray our trust. And if our hurt is not dealt with quickly, hurt develops into anger. The first sign that you're typically hurt by someone, you start to avoid them. Avoidance. Hurt, anger. You see, foolishly allowing anger to dictate our response to those who hurt us isn't wise. Why? Because it typically revolves around vengeance rather than extending grace and forgiveness. Now, to be true to Scripture, anger is a human emotion, and anger, human anger, can be justified. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. You see, we can feel wrong about injustices, but the wise response is to always be God-honoring. What's the wisest and most God-honoring response and reply? So going back to our passage Scripture, notice what Solomon says about how the foolish react. They have little control over what they say. Solomon says this, he says, The mouth of the fool gushes folly. It gushes in reference to water. Folly refers to, you know, they just begin to pour out nonsense. Foolish, unnecessary words. This water is that it is polluting those who hear it. It's not good water. It's just gushing out just nonsense, and it's toxic. It's poisonous to other people. And if you've ever seen a fire hydrant, you know, when the fireman kind of release the pressure on the fire hydrant, you see that there's a lot of pressure that releases from the fire hydrant. And this is what Solomon is talking about. Our words can, of the fool, just gush folly. They just pour out. There is a lack of self-control. There is no filter. There's no consideration for other people. They are careless. They babble on and on, which reveals a lack of self-control. You see, fools react out of emotion. But the wise quietly control themselves. They take a minute. Maybe they need to step back and look at it from a different perspective. But fools just allow their emotion <coughs> put them in their place. You see, Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool gives full vent to their anger, but a wise person keeps themselves under control. So what is the impact when we foolishly react, when we verbally say something? Well, for one, it defiles the one speaking. Jesus said, what goes into a mouth doesn't defile them, but it's what comes out of the mouth that is what defiles them. The more that we speak harshly and the more that we're inconsiderate of other people, the more natural it becomes and less aware of the impact that the words are having upon us. I don't care. Speak my mind. They deserve it. I don't care what happens to me or for the other person. And Jesus says it defiles the person. And when I was kind of doing my research and understanding Jesus is really talking about this defiling that when we speak harshly and react foolishly it is corrupting us it's spoiling us it's desecrating our body it's destroying us from the inside out not only does it defile the one speaking but a foolish when they verbally react is that it's destructive to community a hot tempered man stirs up conflict. The less control that we have over our speech, the more likely we will have a destructive pattern of ruining relationships. Nobody wants to be our friend. No one wants to be around of us because we just stir up conflict. We're just looking for a fight. And not only does it defile us, not only is it destructive, well, it's also displayed to God. Jesus, God, sees everything both what is verbally spoken and also what is thought too and jesus said i tell you on the day of judgment people will give an account for every careless word that they speak god knows our heart he is fully aware of every harsh attitude or unkind thought a word we say and if we think it's justified. If we think that people deserve it, we'll give an account to God. So as I was thinking about this, why is it so difficult to control our speech? Why is it so difficult to rein in the tongue when we just really want to put people in their place? Maybe in part, we're too quick to speak and not quick to listen as James 1.19 talks about. Maybe for some, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before they speak. Maybe we don't really think before we speak. We control our foolish reactions, maybe, when we think before we speak. Funny illustration to help kind of lighten the mood, just a little bit. Think, think, think. But that principle is true for us today. How often do we think before we speak rather than just pff, blurting it right out and then thinking, I probably shouldn't have said that. We could probably save ourselves a lot of trouble if we would just think before we speak. Take a moment. Take a breath. I appreciate a principle that Pastor Dan um, talks about and that when, if he receives a, you know, an unkind email, typically he takes at least 24 hours to respond. And make sure that his heart and his mind is calm and he can respond gently. Maybe we need to run them through these filters. Is it appropriate and necessary what I really want to say? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it going to help the situation? Will I regret these words? Maybe the wisest response is to just not say anything. Not say everything that we think. Sometimes giving people a piece of our mind feels good, but it makes us less like Jesus. And that was one of the songs we were just singing about, which I appreciate Susan referenced. God, make us more like Jesus. Some people think their aggressive reactions is a sign of strength. If they get in my face, I'm going to get right back in theirs too. They think it's a sign of weakness to respond gently. And instead, putting someone in their place is good and healthy. Because let's just face the fact the world does it. You see, as Christians, it's a gradual process of continually being reshaped, developing new habits, new desires into the likeness of who Jesus is. And I remember one time Jesus really got a hold of my life when he told me this that sometimes I get so busy working for Jesus that I forget to become like Jesus. That was for me personally. Therefore, if we don't like what or how we're speaking, maybe we need to humbly surrender more of our heart to God. Luke Luke 6.45 says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our heart influences our speech. What is in our heart will eventually be seen and heard. And earlier we sang it. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. As we surrender our heart in our life and as we faithfully walk with Jesus the holy spirit begins to take control of our heart and imparts pure qualities pure characteristics of the holy spirit you see a pure heart is only accomplished through god's sanctifying work hebrews 10:10 talks about that we were made holy by Jesus' sacrifice once and for all. We are now in right standing with God. We are blameless. Jesus has taken the price and the penalty for us. But there is also, verse 14, the process of continually being made holy. So what Jesus did on the cross for us is that he paid the punishment and the price and that for all that who accept him, we are his holy possession but there's also the process of continually being made holy. We have a part to play in preserving and protecting what Jesus did for us. So, helpful speech will only result in inward growth. Helpful speech will only result in inward growth. So, for instance, are we reading God's word? Are we spending time in prayer? Are we being surrounded by healthy community, people that are positive, uplifting, have a good outlook on life? Or are we spending time with the latest gossip, sharing our opinion, being around critical and degrading and negative people? Because the reality is the more time that we spend with someone or something, the more that we begin to resemble. One time I was on the receiving end of a pretty hard and mean and unnecessary word from someone that I didn't even expect it to come from. I can tell you that I did not verbally respond harshly, but I'll admit that what they said hurt. And I noticed that my hurt was starting to develop into anger, began to avoid the person too. And God had to teach me to forgive both what they said and the person. I had to forgive both the offense and the offender. Because what was happening was that I wasn't audibly speaking, but I was saying some pretty mean and unkind things inside my head. And God knew that I needed to forgive the person. Maybe you're here today and somebody has said some mean and hurtful words to you. If our hurt is not dealt with quickly, it'll develop into anger. And we'll probably say something that is mean and cruel. So to protect ourselves from foolishly reacting, maybe we need to forgive. Maybe we need to forgive both what they said and the individual. It doesn't excuse, it doesn't pretend that what they did didn't happen, but we're protecting our heart from foolishly reacting. We're protecting our heart from foolishly reacting by extending mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Because at one time, we needed it too. The Lord's Prayer talks about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There's no double standard. If we're asking God for forgiveness, then Lord, help us to forgive other people too. There's a quote that goes on something like this. Holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. When we're extending grace, mercy, and forgiveness, we're protecting our own heart. We're releasing it so that we don't respond harshly and negatively. Maybe you're hurt by someone's words and maybe you need to forgive them. Maybe there are some indicators in your speech, your tone, your volume, your choice of words that our heart is not healthy and maybe we need to humbly surrender our heart to God. God created me a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me because I can't do it on my own. What's in our heart? What's in our heart will eventually pour out. But maybe the bigger question is, who controls our heart? Who controls our heart? I heard this quote that says this, The tongue has no bones, but it's strong enough to break a heart. Be careful with your words. The foolish react harshly. I'm thankful that God's Word not only tells us what not to do, but it also teaches us what to do, and the right and the wise response. And our second point is this, the wise respond gently. The wise respond gently. John Maxwell said, people may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. People may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. Gentleness is first and foremost an attitude. When people say something heated, there is the temptation to return the favor. But wisdom shows us the value in responding gently. And if we struggle to know how to respond, what to say, what's the wise, what's the right choice, consider this. And I've said this many times and I've practiced this in my life too. The easy choice is typically the wrong choice. The hard choice is typically the right choice. The easy choice is typically the wrong choice. The hard choice is typically the right choice. The reality is that some will respond and react angrily and defensively, no matter what. And the recommendation from Solomon is to respond gently, to be cool-headed. Solomon communicates how the wise reply in the beginning of verse 1 when he says, The gentle answer turns away wrath. It's interesting what Solomon did not say. Solomon did not say to remain silent. Solomon communicates that when somebody said something in a wrathful, harsh, mean, unnecessarily way, the wise do respond, but they respond gently. Let me explain it this way. Have you ever been talking to someone and communicating to them and they do not respond? Are you even... Listening to what I'm saying, I've been pouring out my heart here, and you're not reciprocating or saying anything back. drive me insane sometimes. I wish you would just listen. Solomon is communicating that the wise do respond, but they respond gently. It comes from the Hebrew word rach, which means soft, tender, delicate, refined. The wise respond gently. And gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Which helps us understand that gentleness is enabled through the Holy Spirit. Meaning it doesn't come naturally to us. And um, uh, this, this role of, of, of the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifests itself. Gentleness portrays and comes through our speech as we humbly allow the Lord to have control of our heart and speak through us. And I've also understood that a biblical definition of gentleness is that gentleness does no harm. Gentleness does no harm. It's a combination of what we say, and how we speak. And someone wisely pointed out that we can still speak gently, but say it harshly, too. Oh, I'm so sorry that you're dumb. (laughs) I'm so sorry that you're an idiot and you foolishly messed up. Bless your heart. We can still say things gently, with a mean and harsh tone and words behind it. But notice the impact of a gentle answer. What does it do? A gentle answer turns away wrath. The wise understand that the end goal is to de-escalate the situation, to restore good tempers and good relationships. When we retaliate, when we escalate the situation, Uh, We not only disrupt the other person's spirit, but we're disrupting our own spirit too and bring a sense of God's displeasure to our actions. Therefore, we do ourselves a big favor to respond gently to help keep our own heart and mind at rest. Think for a moment of gold. Think about the process of gold. Gold is refined by extracting the impurities in it. Time and heat. It's a process. That as the impurities begin to float to the top, you scrape them off. It's a process. Time and heat. If you want to grow in gentleness, it's going to take time. It's going to be a process. It's not just going to happen overnight. But it's also going to involve heat the difficult conversations, the hard conversations that we want to avoid. And it's through time and heat that we begin to learn wisdom and control our speech. So why is it important to respond gently? Why is it important to respond gently? Well, Solomon says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. That word spoken wisely and gently can help cure and restore what was formerly broken. First and foremost, the healing, first and foremost, is for the person that hurt you. Most of us understand that hurting people hurt people. There's typically a deeper rooted issue that's going on here. And when we respond with gentleness, not only does it surprise them, but it can be a means of helping that person heal from their own hurts. There's a deeper-rooted issue going on here. Their words are not communicating the true story. I'm going to help bring healing to a deeper-rooted issue within their heart. But second... The healing can also be mending a broken or a damaged relationship. For instance, the gentle words of, I'm sorry. I messed up. You told me not to do that, and I did. Forgive me. Those kind of words can begin to make wrongs right. Right. And you see, the evidence of a wise response is how calmly we respond to a harsh word. This is the objective of wisdom, a calm heart. When people say something harmful, again, there's the temptation to return the favor. But the wise seem to carefully choose their words, their tone. They do no harm. There is no double meaning behind their words, but it's heartfelt and true. Ecclesiastes 10.4 says, Calmness can lay great offenses at rest. Consider how Jesus was on the cross. What happened to Jesus before he was on the cross? He was humiliated. He was beaten. He was mistreated, wrongfully misjudged. He just had nails go through his hands and his feet. A pierced sword into a sign, a crown of thorns. And as I was just spending time thinking about how calmly the wise respond to a harsh word, I find it interesting and I look through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke records in Luke 23, 34, the first words that Jesus speaks as he's just been nailed upon the cross was this Father, forgive them. The first words. Jesus speaks after he was wrongfully mistreated. And I think there is a lot of truth and a perspective that Jesus is trying to teach us there. Would we still respond that way if we had nails go through us, sword piercing us, crown of thorns, ridiculed, mistreated, carrying a heavy cross, being abandoned? I think Jesus is teaching us a perspective on how the wise respond to those who poorly mistreat us. In 1 Peter 2.23, it talks a little bit more about when Jesus was on the cross, and it says this, When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. and said he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus' example teaches us that the wise do not retaliate. They stay calm. They seek out the good of other people. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they trust God that God will make all things right. So how can we grow in wisely responding? Well, we've been talking about this, but let's just put it down in bullet form here. Maybe for some, we need to listen first. James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. The principle of we have two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as we speak. Our tone of voice, Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Do we tend to react harshly or respond gently to those who are poorly mistreating us? And maybe for some, we need to think before we speak. The mature Christians think how and what their words will be received. And so let's think back over the past couple of weeks. Let's take a personal inventory of our life. One, how often did we respond gently and with kindness? How often did we respond gently and with kindness? Or, how often did we, re- did we react harshly with anger in mean-spirited words? The world may communicate that we responded appropriately because everyone else does it. But maybe the big question is, is God pleased with our reply? Is God pleased with our reply? Solomon talks about how the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. This is both a comfort (laughs) and a warning. This is both a comfort and a warning that nothing escapes God's attention. He cannot be fooled. He knows our true heart. He knows our intentions. He knows the good and the bad. Whatever we think, say, and do, God knows the truth. So do we need to make a wrong right? Did we say something foolishly that God wasn't pleased with, that we need to go back to that conversation and ask for forgiveness? Do we need to change how we're speaking? I love the Sunday school song. We oh, care for little eyes what you see. Care for little uh, ears what you hear. Care for little tongue what you say. Because the Father up above is looking down with love. we oh, be careful little tongue what you say. Psalm 1914, King David wrote many years ago, which is very true for us today, and it goes like this. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. So what have we been talking about? Well, we've been talking about how wisdom communicates graciously. Maybe for some, we don't need to say, we don't need to say everything that we want to. Maybe for some, we need to think or listen before we speak. Maybe for some, we need to forgive so that anger doesn't consume us. Maybe for some, we need to surrender more of our heart to God. In just a moment, we're going to take a listen to a time in my dad's life. He's going to share his testimony on how God got a hold of his life in an area that he wasn't speaking very appropriately to and that he needed to change in his life. Pay attention to this video.
1: I know that my son is uh, speaking today out of Proverbs on uh, how God wants to change the way that we speak uh, not to speak harshly but to speak gently and how God wants to redeem the way that we speak to make it much more uh, honorable and wise and appropriate and uh, as I was reading over his message uh, I was reminded of something that God had done in my own life a number of years ago. Uh, at one point, I was a very, very negative, critical, fault-finding type person. Uh, I literally would be the type of person that would come into your house and would notice that there would be dust on the counter and go, home, dust, or I would watch TV programs and watch your mistakes and begin to point them out, the, the flaws and the, the things that I could see that were wrong in, in other people in other situations. Uh, one day I was uh, watching television, and uh, I saw a mistake, a continuity problem in a, mis- in a movie where you know, one scene, the guy's got a, a tie on the camera angle changes and he doesn't have a tie on and then goes back to the original camera and he's got his tie on again that type of continuity problem and i saw this mistake and helen was sitting beside me on the couch and i turned to say to her did you see that mistake and just like that god spoke to me and said this criticalness this fault finding uh, this negativity is so inconsistent with the nature of jesus and to that point, I wasn't even aware uh, that uh, how my negativity was, was incompatible with the with the person of Jesus. So God pointed it out, but I had to actually cooperate with God's Spirit. It wasn't just that I became aware of it. Um, God won't just change us. We have to cooperate with the Spirit and avail ourselves of the grace that he gives to us and the knowledge that he gives to us. And so uh, it didn't happen immediately, but over a period of about three weeks, um, I would still see things that were wrong, but instead of saying something, uh, what I did is I started biting the inside of my cheek. I don't know, kind of of biting your tongue type of a a thing. To remind myself, don't talk that way. This is not the way Jesus talks. And eventually over about three or four weeks, it just actually fell off. And people that know me now, they they would be actually surprised to know that at one point I was so critical in fault finding, um, because now I, I'm not, I, I'm just not. I, I see the rose world through rose-colored glasses, and I see the glass half half full, not half empty. Um, but I had to cooperate, and God wants to redeem our speech. He wants to redeem us uh, to speak the way that's consistent with the wisdom of, of the book of Proverbs and ways that are consistent with the nature of Jesus. So I hope this little story is a, a little bit of encouragement to somebody as well.
0: Thank you, Dad, for sharing. Maybe something we can do this week is what Dad talked about. Maybe for some to practically put this into principle this week, maybe we need to bite our tongue. Of course, being careful there. Or maybe some other principle to remind ourselves to respond gently, to not foolishly react and to consider what and how we say things because gentleness does no harm. Again, you heard it earlier. Many conflicts arise not because the temperaments are so great, but because, sorry, many conflicts arise not because the issues are so great, but because of the temperaments people bring. I believe that the Lord is speaking to us right now, and I don't need to tell you what the Lord is communicating to you, but I would encourage you to obey his promptings. That's what I want to encourage you with today. Obey his promptings. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's talking about, and he wants us to be a more accurate reflection of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your word that at times can be really hard to digest. But Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we don't have to do it on our own. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would continue to transform and and change us into a more accurate picture of who your son, Jesus Christ, is. I pray that you would change our heart, Lord. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May we be like you. God, I pray that you'd help us to obey your promptings and where you're leading us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.